Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Joseph, he had been used to doing great works for Potiphar. I mean, you know, everybody, he was in charge of the whole household of Potiphar. Everybody reported to him. And so when Joseph was given work to do by the keeper of the prison, Joseph didn't say, you got to be kidding. (laughs) He says, I don't think you know who you're talking to. (laughs) I was in charge of every responsibility in your boss's house. How about that? I mean, you don't really expect a important man like me to do this lowly task, do you? You know, that was not Joseph. That was not Joseph at all. He did not see his work in prison as below him. He didn't. And that's what's so great about Joseph. That's also what was so great about Vice President Pence last week when he rolled up his sleeves and he helped clean up the mess that the vandals had left in the Jewish cemetery Missouri. He was the vice president. He's the vice president of the United States of America. And he didn't seek the cleanup job as beneath him, but he rolled up his sleeves and, and did it. That's Joseph. Joseph took whatever was given to him and he did it with all of his heart. And he didn't sulk in prison. He didn't sulk in prison thinking about, oh, those good old days when I was in Potiphar's house, when, when I was the overseer of Potiphar's house and anything I wanted, I had. But no, he didn't do that at all. And just so that we don't re- forget, this was not a short stay in prison for him. This was 10 years. Joseph was in this prison for 10 years. That's a long time. So when we, when we look at chapter 39 and realize, wow, this is a 10-year stay in prison we're talking about here, we have to step back on chapter 39 and say, well, what is this? Well, most people would look at chapter 39 and say, well, that's the darkest chapter in Joseph's life. Oh, chapter 39. That was his fall from power. Poor Joseph, such the worst time of his life. The darkest chapter in Joseph's life is when he's in the prison. But you know what God would call chapter 39? God would call chapter 39 the brightest chapter in Joseph's life. Now, why would God call chapter 39 the brightest? Why do I say that God would call chapter 39 the brightest chapter in his life? It's because of a statement that Joseph makes in this chapter, which is in verse 9, chapter 39, verse 9. Because in verse 9, that's where Joseph makes this incredibly great statement when he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, that statement for Joseph was really his response to an offer that was made by Potiphar's wife. 
And when Joseph said that, Joseph was proving something. He was really proving the truth that not every man has his price. (laughs) Not every man has his price. You know, people go around, they're always going around, they want to buy companies. And they say, well, you know, every man has his price. You know, but that's not true. And it's not true in Joseph's case. Joseph could not be bought off to be kept from execution or prison in this case. Satan says, every man has his price. But the Bible says, no, there are men that do not have their price. Here's Joseph. Joseph did not have his price. Job did not have his price. And you know who else didn't have his price? Naboth. You say, who's Naboth? (laughs) Naboth, the account of Naboth is in 1 Kings 21. In 1 Kings 21, verse 2, 1 Kings 21, 2, it says, Ahab, King Ahab, spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it's nearer to my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And then it goes on. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Ahab really wanted this piece of property, this land, because he wanted to have a large garden of herbs so that, you know, from his kitchen they could go out and get just the perfect fresh herbs and put it in there, and there we go. Ah, it's fantastic food. Anyway, (laughs) and Naboth had this field that he wanted right next door to Ahab, and so, and Ahab thought, okay, Naboth has his price for the field, but Naboth could, didn't have his price. And so it took Ahab's wife, Jezebel, who is, had Naboth murdered, and then he got the land for his herb garden, and God wasn't happy with that. And so there are those who Satan cannot buy because they don't have a price, and Joseph was one of them. And the reason chapter 39, which I think chapter 39 is the brightest chapter in Joseph's life, is because of this verse where he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, it shows a decision. Verse 9 shows a decision that Joseph made. Joseph is saying, I'd rather choose to suffer than sin. It shows a decision where he says, I'll choose shame and sorrow from man over guilt before God. See, verse 9 shows that Joseph would rather be an inmate in a prison with a clear conscience than to be in a mansion and a conscience that's constantly accusing him and making it feel bad. Verse nine shows that Joseph chose to be a prisoner of man and be free with God rather than to be a prisoner of God and free with man. It shows that Joseph really valued purity and he chose purity at such a cost over impurity. It's a decision that Joseph made. As a result of verse nine, the decision that Joseph made, God rewarded Joseph. He rewarded Joseph, I mean, This is what happens in life. People make decisions that God rewards people for their decisions. If a person decides to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and believe into him, God rewards that person with eternal life. Verse 9, verse 9 explains verse 21 when it says the Lord was with Joseph. Because Joseph says in verse nine, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And then verse 21 says the Lord was with Joseph. So what we're seeing here is that in verse nine, when he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's Joseph being faithful to God. 
And then in verse 21, when it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, that's God being faithful to Joseph. Joseph is faithful to God. God is faithful to Joseph. So now he's in the prison, and God is going to use this experience. God is using this experience of Joseph in prison to prepare Joseph. This is a course for Joseph. This is a preparation course, because when Joseph is going to be in this position that he doesn't even know about yet, where he's going to deliver all of Egypt from troubles, the troubles of famine and starvation, as I would do it, as God would say, if I, for Joseph to be my man in that position, I need to strip the insulation off, you know, like a wire, you know, it's insulated. He says, God says, I gotta strip off the insulation so Joseph can feel and he can feel what it's like to be in trouble. You know, that happened with me. <laughs> I had the insulation of being raised in Bel Air, which is everybody's on welfare in Bel Air, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, silver spoon in the mouth, all that stuff. And, um, and that's the way it was. And I was depraved and had to go to school in Switzerland. That's a terrible situation. Anyway. But then when I married my wife, that was not appreciated <laughs> because she wasn't Jewish. And so I was in the shocking situation in Cincinnati of having $100 in my pocket and hearing my family say, you're dead, you're gone. And going through that experience, which I won't go into details right now, was a stripping away of the insulation. It was a stripping away of the insulation. So I could feel and understand. It's exactly what happened with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was like Joseph. You could say, the Lord Jesus Christ had the insulations taken away, stripped away from him so he could feel what it was like to be in trouble. He could feel this, and that makes a big difference for us when we see how the Lord Jesus Christ had all the insulations stripped away from him because when we're in trouble, we now come to him because we know he had the insulation stripped away, and that's why it says in Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, you could say, we have not a high priest who's insulated from us. We have a high priest who's had the insulation stripped off. I mean, that's what it's telling us, is that the trials that the Lord Jesus Christ went through was a process of qualification to sympathize that's what happened to Joseph when he went to prison. It was in prison that Joseph graduated and became qualified to sympathize. When Joseph emerged from prison, it was like he got his diploma and it said qualified to sympathize. Yeah? And everyone knew, everyone in Egypt knew that Joseph had spent 10 years in the worst prison. And he gave everyone in Egypt a certain confidence as they came to him and they said, look, we need food. We need help during the famine. And we're going to see that later because Joseph was in prison. The Egyptians knew that Joseph was not cold and Joseph was not unfeeling toward them. Because Joseph was in prison, the Egyptians knew that Joseph would not repel them, no, would not repel them away when they came to him for help. Because he was in prison, the Egyptians knew that Joseph wasn't cold. He was not going to just do his external duties as a government minister, as a prime minister, they knew he wasn't, Joseph wasn't cold. He, 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 he because, because he had felt what the Egyptians were feeling. And he never looked on the Egyptians as below him who came to him. 
Joseph had plenty of food in that palace. When the Egyptians were running out of food, he felt for them because he had had the insulation stripped away. And so he had been in prison, and that gave to Joseph a certain tenderness, a certain tenderness of heart. And the same is true of the Lord Jesus Christ because he lived on earth as he described how he lived on earth in Matthew 8.20. Matthew 8.20, it says that the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus saith unto him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, because the Lord Jesus lived on earth this way, without a place to lay his head, which made him lower than the foxes, you know, that had holes, and lower than the birds that had nests. Therefore, we know he has a certain warmth. He has a certain tenderness as he looks on those who need help because he was there. And because Joseph had been in prison, he was able firsthand to have this warmth and tenderness toward like Pharaoh's butler and baker who were in one minute, were in the palace, and the next moment, they're in the prison. And this is a lesson for Joseph as he observes this also. He says, boy, it's pretty slippery for man in high places. Pretty slippery up there on the top. But he goes, one moment, great position, the next moment, falling down. And that's why the Bible says in, in Psalm 73, 18, Psalm 73, 18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. In Psalm 37, 35, Joseph was seeing this outlived before him, Joseph, in Psalm 37, 35. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, and he could not be found. You know, we, we, I mean, we see people, they look so prominent, so permanent, so fixed. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, you read, you know, so-and-so dies at 60 years old. And, you know, sickness or death comes and instantly swept away. Now, when it says, as we look back on chapter 39, when it says in verse, in verse 20, he was there in the prison. He was there in the prison. Because it leads us to the question, you, re, you read something like that, he was there in the prison. Why? Why was he there in the pre, Why was he in the prison? What crime had he committed? You know, and... and uh, <laughs> And he didn't commit. He was very rare. <laughs> he was a prisoner in prison without it. Well, I mean, you know, one time, you remember Barry Lord? Yeah, he had a program called Match 2, which was uh, where you, 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 you signed up with Match 2, and he would match you because he was in, the, in, the, in that, uh, whatever you call it, the police area. Anyway, he would match you up with a prisoner at Donovan, um, you know, a high-security prison down in uh, Otay Mesa there. And so, so I signed up, and I thought, I wonder what kind of prisoner he's going to give me, you know? Oh, Tom, he's the businessman, so he pairs me with a thief. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, we all had our prisoners, and then I remember it was a group of us, and so we met with our prisoners that night, and, and then we all had a little uh, debriefing session, you know? We all had just us together, not the prisoners. And, uh, and so Barry asked everybody, he says, so what did you learn tonight? Barry asked, you know. And so one fellow said, I learned that my prisoner was innocent. <laughs> we all laughed. <laughs> That's what we all learned. <laughs> that our prisoners were you know. <laughs> Well, Joseph really was innocent. He really was innocent. He did nothing. 
to deserve what it says in verse 20. He was there in the prison. So when it says he was there in the prison, we can see, as we've said here, that Joseph accepted this change in his life and said, okay, I'm here in the prison. Now what can I do in the prison? He didn't live his life in a state of denial, which would have made him useless. He just sat there and said, There's, I really am innocent. I shouldn't be here. I'm going to spend my time writing appeals. You know? <laughs> but when it says in verse 20, he was there in the prison, we can see how Joseph was taking his place along with other saints who were in the prison, such as who? Who were some of the other saints who were in prison? Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. So Paul, when he was writing about his experience, he said in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prison, more frequent. So he was a frequent flyer. In prisoner, you know, <laughs> in death's oft, you know. But who else besides Paul and Silas? Peter was in prison, right? Who else? James was in prison, right? John, well, Patmos, yeah, the island of Patmos. Who in the Old Testament was in prison? Daniel was in prison. Who else? Micaiah was in prison. Samson, that was the hint. Samson was in prison too. Okay, good. And so they all suffered in prison. So it's like, you know, okay, Joseph, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man being in prison. And so in Joseph, he learned how he could, with a smile, change things. And by the same token, it shows us that how, with a look of gloom, he could also put extra burdens on other people as well. So he's been given this great liberty in prison, where it says there in 22 and 23, verses 22 and 23, it speaks about how the keeper of the prison commits every, all the prisoners into his hand, whatever they did, he was a doer of it, and the, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. He just committed everything to him. You know, that reminds me, you know, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, that was the most read book in England apart from the Bible. And what happened to John Bunyan is because he preached outside the Church of England in London, he was convicted and sent to prison, and he was imprisoned in his hometown of Bedford, a little bit north of London, in Bedford. He was in Bedford Prison, and it was a real problem for him because his wife was blind. Well, the prison warden, he really liked John Bunyan. And so just like the keeper of the prison liked Joseph, and so the warden there at Bedford Prison would let John Bunyan go out of prison and go home to his blind wife. And one day, the authorities in London, they were suspicious that John Bunyan wasn't in the prison, which he wasn't. He was at home with his wife. And so the authorities in London decided to send an investigator the next day to Bedford and really confirm that John Bunyan was really in the Bedford prison there. So the night before the investigator arrives... John Bunyan woke up in the middle of the night and he told his wife that he just felt that he had to return to prison. And she couldn't understand why. So in the middle of the night, John Bunyan bangs on the warden's door and wakes him up and tells him he had to return to prison. And the warden was, he was angry, you know, with John Bunyan for waking him up. So what happened? The next morning, the investigators come and they ask the warden, are all the prisoners here in the prison? And the warden says, yes. And then they said, is John Bunyan here in the prison? And the warden says, yes. And then they said, well, can I see? 
John Bunyan here in prison. <laughs> and so from that time, the warden told John Bunyan, you just decide when you go and come because you know better. <laughs> now, we come to chapter 40 now, and it opens with these words, and it came to pass after these things. It came to pass after these things. You know, it's wonderful to see in the word of God how histories are described. You know, this one is great. You know, after came to pass after the, I mean, the chapter before we found Joseph, he's at the lowest point of his life. He's a prisoner in the Egypt's worst prison. And when it looks like it's all going to end, you know, and then we might read the words like, Joseph died in the prison. God begins this new chapter was, it came to pass after these things. I mean, you know, it's very interesting, after these things. So if you thought that these things in chapter 39 were strange, (laughs) we've got a whole new set of strange events in chapter 40 here. It's very, very strange what's going to happen here. And it all kind of goes after these things, it came to pass after these things, now we've got new strange events coming. And what we're going to see here in chapter 40 is really a fulfillment of, of the statement in Romans 8.28. Romans, Romans 8.28 is a statement. It's like an ongoing prophecy when it says we know that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. So strange things are going to happen in chapter 40. And these are going to be the all things that are going to work together. The question is, how do all these things work together? How does it happen that all these strange events that have happened really in chapter 39, happened in chapter 40. How does it happen that they all work together? How does it happen that the strange events work together in our life? How does that happen? Well, the answer, we always read it, Romans 8, 28, where it tells us that all these things are working together for good. But the question is, how? And we oftentimes neglect the verse before it, Romans 8, 27, that explains how it is that all these things work together for good. Because in Romans 8, 27, it's a verse about the Spirit of God. And it describes him, as it says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So in other words, the reasons why these strange events in chapter 40 are going to work together for good is because of Romans 8, 27, because he maketh intercession for the saints. It's all about intercession. I mean, there's Joseph in prison. Satan wants to destroy Joseph, but God is making intercession for Joseph. And as a result, the Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker offends Pharaoh, and they end up in prison. These are strange things. To see all these strange events working together for good because the Spirit of God, because the Lord Jesus himself are making intercession for Joseph. It's a great encouragement for us in life. It's a great encouragement just to know that God sees, God saw all the troubles that Joseph was in. God sees all the troubles that you and I are in. And then, and then the Lord Jesus makes intercession for us so that these strange events will all work together for good. You know, the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of Christ. And in that same chapter, chapter 8 and verse 34, it says in chapter Romans 8, 34, it says, Who is he that condemneth? Is Christ Jesus who died. Yea, rather, that is raised from the dead, who's at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He makes intercession for us. That's how all these things are working together for good, because of the intercession. Intercession. 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.